We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. And today we've got a double crossover podcast edition with Locked On Pacers host Tony East and Indy Corners podcast host Mark Schindler. So, Tony, how you doing, man? Doing great. Excited to be a part of this massive crossover. And I'd like to thank Mark, who's about to talk, for having a paid Zoom account that could let us uh, all link up for this. Yeah, yeah Mark. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the plug. If you, uh, if you need to record a pod <laughs> without paying, hit me up. I Actually, I hope... Nobody from Zoom hears that, but uh, very excited to be on the Sham God Pod. Is that could we call it Sham God Pod? It's a double Sham. cross. I mean, Sham. God oh, that's clever. I can think if they can pull it off. So, yeah. Well, I mean, let's jump into it, guys. So, I mean, we've been talking about it on our own podcast. I feel like I've been kind of overkill talking about the new hire, but just in case some people haven't heard your opinions, I'll start with you first, Tony. You know, Nate Bjorgen, uh, Pacers' new head coach. What are your thoughts on the hire? Uh, I'm into it. I think. It, you know, I liked Dan Tony personally because I didn't consider him a retread, but behind him, my list was all assistants just because it mixes it up. It gets a fresh face with the team and really allows them to go a totally new direction and an unknown direction. And I think that's good for a Pacers team and organization that kind of is stale and runs through the same kind of stuff a lot, or at least has in the past. So I think it's cool that they're kind of evolving and the way he talked in his introductory presser about, you know, being not being rigid in anything in his rotations in his strategy. He's willing to take risks. He's willing to change it up uh, in his coaching style, even just on a game to game basis. I think that's really interesting and adds a tactical layer to the Pacers. They've been missing that will make them incredibly fun for me, at least to watch. So uh, I don't know how good he's going to be. He's never been an NBA head coach, but I'm into it from a, from a tactical standpoint and from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, um, I'm kind of right there with Tony, man. I'm I'm just excited that this team's going in in a direction that oh, the, that's a new direction. I mean, we're so used to this team um, not saying treading treading water is the wrong way to put it, but I mean, internal hires, 
um, not going into a lengthy coaching uh, search. So I think it's kind of cool seeing a breath of fresh air like this. And I sent Tony a gift of this. Uh, if you've ever played Hitman, Nate Bjorkren might be agent 47. <laughs> so check the back of his head for a bar barcode. Um, but no, I, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to, to see what, how things play out on court. Um, I mean, obviously it's a lot of PR speak in, in right. the presser. Um, yeah. But overall, I think there's a lot of stuff that was not just surface level that he talked about that I think the team will do. Um, but it's just going to be a, depending on who's on the roster next year and we'll get into it. But yeah, I, uh, I think it's a good hire. Uh, definitely surprised me. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm ready to see it, man, but I'm also ready for these guys to have more than two months off, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking on that real quick, before I jump back into the Oregon thing, I don't know if you, you saw the quote tweet or not uh, from a ringer NBA show, but Danny green was on there today and was like, yeah, if we're starting up in December, uh, I think a lot of players aren't going to be there. I thought that was really interesting for him to say that. But I know specifically for them because they were in the bubble for I don't even know how many days, but they've got to be exhausted. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? I'll start with you first, Mark. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I was talking with Tim Cran just about this yesterday or two days ago, I think. Um, it's just – I don't know. I mean, I get the fact, like, yeah, these guys are millionaires. They're doing a, a dream job for most people, but I also would argue that – we don't see a lot of the things that go into them doing that, especially when you look at the Lakers and heat. I mean, the turnaround is ridiculous. You look at, you know, going into the bubble, you might consider that an off season or time off, but those guys, I mean, for the most part, almost every guy was training just as hard as they would be for getting ready for a regular season. I mean, they weren't taking time off because they, there was uncertainty. They had no idea when, when the game was coming back. So they had to stay hot and stay in shape. Um, so I don't know. I'm really pretty apprehensive in terms of how this could be handled injury wise and, and ways fatigue could set in. But then also in terms of Danny Green's comments. Um, I mean, if it, if it does start that early, people can go on and off about load management all they want. But um, I, I do think we'll see much deeper rosters, um, at least to start the year for teams that went really deep um, and maybe less emphasis on trying to get the one seed for some of those teams, because you're going to have to pre preserve your, your, your health. And uh, I don't know, it's going to, there, there's a lot of things that are going to factor into it, but it's, it's all about money. So. Yeah. Tony. Uh, yeah. The move forward is interesting in the, in the impact it has on the league. I liked um, John Hollinger in the athletic wrote about it. I liked his point that it's really beneficial for teams that are returning the coach and their roster. I like the jazz, the magic, these teams aren't going to have a lot of roster turnover and are keeping their coach, their styles the same. They're going to hit the ground running, right? Their, their preseason's not as important. They're not integrating new guys. They're not integrating a new system. They'll be ready. The Pacers have half of that. Um, but I understand what Danny Green is saying. And, like, say, like, the Lakers roster might change quite a bit. It's yeah. going to be hard, it's going to, be hard to, to really convince guys to say, hey, okay, you know, like, uh, I, I can't – I don't know who will be signing a one-year deal this offseason, but, like, say Danilo Gallinari, like, takes a, a one-year deal to try to win a title somewhere, and, like, all of a sudden – he, he's more susceptible to injury because the offseason's shorter. He might look worse in a system where, you know, he, he's learning it on the fly and all this stuff. Like, I get why players might be tepid and, and cold-footed about jumping into a season with such a short offseason, especially for some of those Lakers guys who just finished playing two weeks ago. But I think that ultimately for the league, obviously the money talks, it makes sense. The league making money is good for the players making money. So I'm sure the Players Association will will buy in, but I, I totally understand both sides of the coin where guys are going to get started and other guys wouldn't. And 
know, there's a delete eight teams you have to think about. So there, there's so much at play that basically anything a player would say, I can be like, yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very good point. And you got to think there's a lot of teams that didn't even come to the bubble that haven't played since March. I'm right. sure they're just itching to get going. I mean, that's almost nine months that it'd probably be until they get to restart or probably longer than nine months. And, you know, they, they want to play 72 games because of course the TV deals is what generates the most revenue, but I just, it's just crazy. I think Bobby Mark said today on the podcast with Zach Lowe that he, he would anticipate free agency starting um, November, like 22nd or 23rd. So we're talking like four or five days immediately after the NBA draft. And that basically gives them a, a full month to get, you know, their contracts signed and then, you know, report to the team and then the season starts. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty short window. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, Kent certainly came on on my podcast and was talking about that a couple of weeks ago saying that he's heard from NBA sources that they want to start the season early. And a lot of people gave us pushback, but I think it makes a lot of sense for the revenue part of it, but um, let's get back into uh, coach Nate Bjorgren. So, you know, I, I think you mentioned it, Mark, you said a lot of, uh, you know, PR speak, there was some of the, you know, responses, but I think one of the things that stood out to me a lot was Kevin Pritchard acting as if he wanted uh, Nate Bjorgren to be there for a long time. It, it seemed almost like they kind of want to have a long-term marriage and not something where they're looking for a new coach every four years. I think it took them 56 days exactly to come up with this hire. So Tony, uh, did you get those, uh, did you get those same vibes in, uh, in Pritchard's reaction or comments on that? Well, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I'm imagining that PR or not, he wants to hire a coach who's going to be around for a long time, right? I mean, it's just, it's just good for the team that if, if your coach is really good and he's around for a while, then I'm like, yeah, great. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, to me, we kind of did this on Lockdown Pacers, although less so with Pritchard's comments and more so with Bjorgren. We kind of looked to the to the past to see what things that were said, like they, they've coached actual games before, you know what I mean? Like I can look at what Bjorgren is saying and what he's done and either match them up or not match them up and say, yeah, you know what I mean? Like this is not PR speak or okay, this is PR speak. With Pritchard, it's a little harder because he's never done a coaching hire for the Pacers. Uh, his goals publicly and privately could be different you know those things are impossible to say but I yeah I, I get what you're saying that I, I do get the vibe that he kind of wants him to be around for longer and I think part of that is is what he said in like the pre-hire process about communication relating to players and setting a, a new culture I hate the word culture in this <laughs> instance but <laughs> hashtag know, set, heat culture <laughs> well whatever but you know setting a new like and whatever his culture is for the team. And if it's good, and if he's as good as KP thinks he is, then yeah, you'll want him around for a long time, more than four years for sure. I get why Larry Bird had that fake rule, but uh, it doesn't make sense to me if the coach is good. You know what I mean? Like if Carlisle is still the Pacers coach, that'd be great. So yeah, I, I get the vibe that if, you know, he wants him to be around for the long haul and if, if he gets the right guy, he'll keep him around for a while. Yeah. Mark, what are your thoughts? Um, Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, not to be a total pessimist, but I think there's a reason why every coach gets a job. It's because they're great at talking themselves up and, and talking up what they're going to do. Um, I, again, I think we saw a couple of things that, that show that uh, Nate is the right hire and, and we'll do some really great things. Obviously, if you haven't already, please read Caitlin's piece. It, pretty much if you ever, you're not cut off on something Pacers, read Caitlin's piece because she's always on top of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that ultimately we can take as much as we want from the press, from the press conference, but until we see it, I just have no real um, idea what to, what to think on. I mean, I, I, I hit up one I, of, Oh, what, what were you saying? I was just 
I was agreeing with you. Like you can, we can dissect what he says all we want, but like, yeah, we just can't, we just can't know. I mean, I, I reached out to some people who, who have worked with him and they, they spoke highly. So, um, but again, everybody's going to speak highly when they're talking about somebody who just got a job. So, um, but again, I, I don't really think I can point to anything negative right now. Yeah. So I was listening to uh, the Hodger and Duncan podcast, uh, earlier today, and I thought it was really interesting. I, I was catching up on an episode and they were talking about the recent coaching hires of, of course, Stan Van Gundy. And then of course, Nate Bjorgren. And one of the things Hollinger said is as a front office guy, you know, he thought the Pacers were going to look at an assistant to come in and, and take this Pacers coaching job. But he said one thing that Bjorgren has is he has head coaching experience. So that'll be a lot easier for him to transition into that role since he's already done it before, since he's not just been a career long assistant. You know, I, I talked about how I was high on Chauncey Billups. This is a guy that had zero coaching experience. And, uh, you know, with Bjorgren, he's, you know, he's a basketball junkie from everything we heard. But I do think that that's a great point because he brought up when he was in Memphis, how they hired Dave Yeager and, and moved him into that seat. He said because of his previous head coaching experience, he really felt that transition was easy. So um, any thoughts on that, guys? I could jump in. Yeah, I mean, I, that was something that actually stood out to me more in the press conference than most of the stuff he said is like, you know, we, we've heard about his adaptability. J. Michael reported it first. Kevin Pritchard said it the next day in the press conference. But like to hear his explanation of it in the G League of how when you're a head coach in the G League, right, all of a sudden your guy could be off to Europe. And then the next day you have a new guy. And then the next day you have a different new guy. Right? You have to change your roster so much. That head coaching experience is hard, right? Even if it's not the NBA stuff with all the media, the different locker room control, the guys are making millions. There's there's all these different things that go on. But, like, you've, you've A, coached a roster of men, not like college-age guys or anything like that, like men, to success and made them look like good basketball players on the court. But you've, you've proven that you can deal with shakeups and deal with the challenges that come with running a team. I think that definitely matters more than being an assistant. So th- that is definitely something that rings true to me. Yeah. Yeah. I totally echo that. I mean, I think, I, I wonder if it's going to happen more, but it's just, I, 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 this is just me like galaxy brain, Malcolm Gladwell <laughs> moment. Um, I really think that basketball and hopefully American sports in general are going to kind of transition to European soccer models and um, just building things up from the ground up because that's how you grow. You, it's, like how often do we see somebody come in from with no coaching experience? Um, this is not me trying to throw shade at Steve Nash, but like come in with no coaching experience, become a head coach and do well um, it, without coming up and, and learning. Like, I mean, the G league is literally, I don't want to say battlegrounds. That sounds like extremely like overkill, but I mean, that's tactically um, learning how to think things through as a coach and just go through like, like Tony saying all these difficult things that, that you experience as a G league organization and, and head coach. Um, I mean, that, that builds you up for, to be ready for, to, to, to coach in the NBA. So um, I think there's definitely some validity to that. Yeah. So I've been asking this question, everybody I've talked to just trying to get their, their thoughts and what, what they've seen so far and what they've heard so far from uh, Nate Bjorgren, is there a player or players you think that will benefit the most from this coaching hire? And I'll start with you, Tony player that will benefit the most yeah uh i haven't really thought a ton about that um i mean mcdermott's usually my fallback with these kind of questions because (laughs) if mcdermott is played like the way i think mcdermott should be played he's gonna be awesome taking nine three-pointers a game but it's really hard to say until he totally implements something i kind of feel like if they're a little bit more creative that bodes well for guys with high iq like sabonis and brogdon 
uh, or guys with unique skills like McDermott. Um, and McConnell could be another one. Uh, but I think my answer is probably going to be Brogdon. And I've thought about it out loud to you guys because he kind of meshes the two things that I think uh, would make McDermott good and would make those other guys good. His, he's got a high IQ, so complicated stuff won't be tough to him, right? I remember Mike Conley goes to the Jazz, and he talks about how to play in Quinn Snyder's system, you need a PhD, right? It takes a long time to figure that stuff out. But once you get it, it clicks, and all of a sudden, it's great. And it took Conley a while to get going, and then he had a really strong January, February before stuff got shut down. Mm-hmm. I think with Brogdon, you know, if he can really figure out what Bjorgren's doing, and if it's as complicated as Bjorgren's making, it seem like it might be complicated might be the wrong word. You know, there's kind of a negative connotation there, but intricate and, and unique uh then that caters well to brogdon's skill set of, of high iq playing and more threes would help him too you know Less not ISOs. being pigeonholed not being pigeonholed into uh you know mid-rangers and and taking the open shot so i think brogdon is my answer all right mark um oh i i kind of have two um one is conversely so it's not more in terms of could be detrimented and not just on Nate's hire, I think it's more just from the press conference. I think Goga. Um, yeah, I, I do think Goga is going to be pushed down the roster. And this is something that I've talked about in terms of stuff I don't want to happen. Um, and this team trying to really cultivate their draft picks. Um, but it, based on everything we heard, it does not seem like that's going to happen, at least not to start the year. Um, and the person I'd say might see um, some improvement or not, not even necessarily improvement, but benefit. Um, I, I kind of want to say Aaron Holiday. Yeah, that's mine. Because I think that um, he could maybe carve out a more consistent role. Because, I mean, we saw uh, Aaron had, like, maybe the most fluctuating role that that I've seen out of somebody. Um, I mean, he went from that stretch in December where he started, like, 12 games when Malcolm was out to at the end of the, the pre-hiatus season. Um, he was hardly in the rotation because Vic and, and, and Malcolm were both back starting. Um, so I'm really hopeful if, if Nate's really going to run something like 11 guys deep or he's willing to play that many guys, I think that's huge for Aaron because he knows he's going to play every night. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's who I was really thinking about, especially when we talk about development. That's so interesting. Go, go ahead. And, and I, same with Goga. I was just thinking about the young guys that I feel like the Pacers believe in the, the talent they've drafted, but they haven't been given an opportunity and I mean, I, I think Pritchard's kind of mentioned that, you know, they didn't play their young guys, you know, they were like, uh, you know, 29th in payroll and like seventh or eighth overall with the best record in the NBA. So, I mean, they don't spend on players and they have late draft picks. And I, and I just feel like he wants someone in there that's going to be able to develop these young guys and actually use them. So they're not just, you know, McMillan, the mandate was to win, right? I mean, that's what everything was. And he was playing these veterans because he wanted them you know, to win him games because he knew probably, I mean, look at what happened to him. If he didn't get the job done or if he didn't at least get out of the first round, he was probably going to get canned. So it wasn't really about developing Sumner, developing Aaron Holiday, developing Goga. It's about, you know, am I going to place a bonus 35 minutes a night, even when we're up 18 against Washington, you know, like <laughs> one of those things. So that's, that's where I was kind of intrigued by that question. I asked, I asked Kelsey O'Brien who covers a G league for, for basketballnews.com uh, when she was on our podcast last week. And she came out and said, Miles Turner is the person she thinks that's going to benefit the most from Nate Bjorgren. She said that he's, he's going to unlock all that potential in her opinion. Now it's uh, it's funny. Cause I, I believe Sean Whitley was on your podcast. Tony, and he was talking about, you know, maybe, uh, maybe snagging miles from the Pacers, <laughs> For the Raptors, so it seems like faces, I keep making faces thinking about Aaron Holiday as the answer. <laughs> well, I'm what like, are, what I'm are your like thoughts on that? The Raptors rotation from last year. I, 
Uh, unless Jeremy Lamb's like dead next season. Oh, that's I, a good point. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah. Well, when's I he get, gonna come see, back fully like, healthy? The, the I know, one I thing that. I think about though, like, I mean, just in looking at the Raptors roster, like they have a lot more wingy guys. They do, and the they Pacers totally have like a lot more guardy guys like i don't know i mean which sounds so reductive um but i mean like yeah i mean that that's something we're always talking about they have a lot of guys who are like combo guards and like really small threes right and like one guy who can kind of pass as a four and then two fives so i i have no idea what their roster is going to look like i i I guess you know actually if i could change around i'd maybe say sumner um because i think he is somebody he was always out of the rotation even if he was healthy um or not if he was healthy but like um nate was th- uh, part of that's because he was always injured so when he was back he wasn't like fully back um but i mean he's somebody who could definitely benefit from 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 a deeper rotation but i do think like i don't know i really like aaron i just love aaron and, and his game and he, he's surprisingly versatile for someone his size look at i agree that at some point and i've heard from former pacer players that one of their gripes with mcmillan is he doesn't play young guys right mm. that, that's not a secret you know but I do think at some point with Aaron, because he's act, like, it's obvious he's, he's good. He's an NBA player. That at some point they'll have to stare at Jeremy Lamb and TJ McCongo. All right, one of you's not going to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I don't know when that will happen. You know, they're, McConnell's expiring next year. so And his deal hasn't been fully guaranteed yet. I mean, so, I'm right. Yeah, no, that. I know. There's that's not no happen. way they're going to not, but whatever. Um, maybe not next year, but I mean, at some point they're going to have to stare on that barrel and go, all right, you, you have to play. So maybe – Maybe he'll be the, you know, like I said, his he's not going to be rigid. Maybe he'll be the one to do it. But it's it's not as easy as he's no, already twenty five. Right. I mean, he's not really young. He's kind of it's it's hard to just go, you know. All right, our vet we just signed last summer. You're out of the rotation, and it's possible. But I, and I guess you know, I'm looking at the Raptors. Right, they had twelve guys play ten or more minutes per game last year, and there's a lot of injury stuff in there. Right, Gasol only played like half the game, so Boucher's minutes were able to go up a little bit. They're able to sneak, you know, Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas into some games for more minutes. So it's not like totally relevant. He's not actually playing 12 guys a game. So it's possible he's able to play Aaron over 10 minutes and, and be creative like that. But it's hard for me to just sniff out immediately what his role is going to be again, unless Lamb is like dead weight next year. Well, okay. So I have two things off that. <laughs> Alex will, will butt it. I'm eventually. sorry. I just like, this is <laughs> no, go for like, it. People get tired of hearing me on this podcast. I do wonder. So. I personally, I, this is just me. I would. I mean, would you have Aaron above TJ TJ McConnell in the in the rotation? I think, like looking to the future, I said I wrote last year. I remember the first seven games of the season; like they were both god awful, like terrible, yeah, right? Were. So I was like, yeah, why are they playing TJ? Play the young guy, let him grow. But then TJ was clearly better for a while; it made some sense. But it's kind of hard. Like as Aaron continues to get better, you know, the gap suddenly is so small that you're like, okay, you have to lean on you. Yeah. I don't know what. The- what the team says about that gap, right? What are they thinking? How much better do they think McConnell is? And they've discovered they can play together, right? That's why I think Lamb is such an important part of the equation. So it's kind of hard to say, I think, is my stupid answer to your question. Yeah, and well, like my other thing too is just based off reporting, I mean, there was really heavy interest from Minnesota in acquiring Aaron Holiday at the trade deadline and the Pacers didn't didn't budge. Um, so I guess- Why do I not know that? Why did I not know uh, that? I, I know I saw it on the score way back yeah. in in- at the traded line. So I don't know. The, I think the I sheer think New York. on that, but I, I, I didn't hear New York, but I knew I that think Minnesota Jay Michael was. reported the, the New York one. And then the year before it was the uh, Aaron holiday. It's a Memphis deal for Conley. That was kind of brought up. And um, Jay Michael had that one as well. I remember the Mem- I heard the Memphis stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember so, Memphis. 
Well, that to me is part of the reason I'm kind of intrigued. It's like the last two seasons, Aaron Holiday's name has been floated around in trades. Is this other teams that are trying to deal him or were the Pacers shopping him? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I think that he definitely has some really nice intangibles. I think he's got a nice size and he's a six foot seven wingspan. I mean, he's got a lot of skill. I just feel like with McMillan, I mean, I felt like he was kind of in McMillan's doghouse and and had a very short leash. And I feel like the whole player development part of things when they talked about Bjorgen was kind of hinted at that. I mean, I understand the whole McConnell thing. I feel like McConnell is limited in what he can do offensively, especially with, you know, spreading the floor, depending if, if Bjorgren is as analytical, as he said, you know, how analytical is, uh, you know, playing McConnell, you know, in those moments. I mean, I'm not sure if Aaron's a better fit at point guard, obviously he's got to work on his ball handling, but I mean, if you look back, I think one of Aaron's best games last year was that game at home um, against the Toronto Raptors when they took him to overtime and him and miles were, were pretty deadly from three in that overtime. So I think that might be part of it. You know, that's a small sample size, but I don't know. Aaron's just intriguing because I feel like he's one of those guys that could really sweeten uh, uh, one of the trade packages for either miles or Victor, like we've talked about uh, or we've speculated about all off season, but it's just how high are the paces on him? And that's, I feel like they're pretty high on. Well, here's my other thing with that. If you're not going to play him over TJ McConnell, his trade value is down because people aren't seeing him play as much. Um, which, I mean, I could be wrong in that, but that's just my personal read. They're, like, if other teams will look at it and be like, well, why is, why is he playing over a point guard who can't shoot? Like, I mean, like, I, I don't know. That's just kind of what it comes down to for me. And I think, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting conundrum, but I'm excited to see what, uh, what, what Nate does to – how great is it that we, we can say Nate still? We don't have to I think still of a new name. In my head. I know, it's, right? It's and it's I, then I picture you talking to Vic and calling him Nate too. And I did it to McDermott too, but thankfully I caught that one. <laughs> That's great. And you said I did it again, which made it even better. So, <laughs> um, but I yes. just swore on the – I know, I was, that was terrible. No, it was – it, it, uh, <laughs> it was great to see. But um, – no, I mean, it's it's funny, though. Well, why? Why did we have to get a guy named Nate? Of all the names in the world, <laughs> it's like, it's like I think this is actually Pritchard's first coaching hire because I think McMillan was already hired when he yep. took over. And then mm-hmm. I think Pritchard was let go before McMillan was fired. So this is actually his first actual coaching hire. So it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I've read a lot about how he's been so enamored with Nick Nurse and what Toronto's doing. I mean, it's been two years, but in that sample size, I mean, coach of the year, um, and, um, you know, Dwayne Casey was coach of the year when Nick Nurse took over. So uh, Bjorgen taking over for the Pacers after his coach was named coach of the year. I think that's interesting. Um, but anyway, yeah, a but lot Nick of Nick be- Nurse didn't get fired after he won coach of the year. So that's true, true, true. Sorry and, to shoot holes in that. And, and they got Kawhi Leonard, right? But uh, yeah. it's just it's just fun to kind of throw that out there. But I know a lot of people are asking about the coaching staff. I feel like we'll find some news out here within the next couple of weeks, but uh, Tony, is there anybody on your list that you think makes sense for this coaching staff? I don't, I don't, I, I kind of shrug at that question just because I don't know, like who's available, like our good assistants willing to move, you know what I mean? You know, and not, well, Dan not Craig to, just did. <laughs> he did. And he got the bag from the Clippers man. Steve Ballmer is balling on his assistants with money. That's the thing is that I was going to add. And actually you bring that up. It's helpful here because they don't have Steve Ballmer, right? And I, now that the Pacers are, you brought up their payroll earlier, right? Like yeah. they're not going to not spend if like the best person ever wants to come be in a system, but like obviously price is a factor for them. It's like Chris Finch was just a candidate and now Van Gundy, right? Is probably going to want his whole staff thing in new Orleans. Is Finch going to stay there? Can the Pacers get him? Right. He's got a good offensive mind. Would they be able to do that? I don't, I don't know what the deal with Dan Burke is right. Scott Agnes reported that 
he might not be returning or he isn't returning next year. I don't know what the situation with that is. And same thing for Bano and Popeye. So I really have no idea how to answer that question. If Chris Finch is truly available, maybe go get him. Uh, if some of the Heat guys are available, maybe go get them. But also, like, I don't know what Bjorgren's past is like. Does he like any of the guys he coached with the Suns? You know, like, is Jeff Hornacek going to just suddenly be a Pacers assistant? Oh, uh, I, I don't know that kind of stuff either. So I don't have a good answer for that question. Uh, and I don't know what former players are interested in coaching the Pacers. Obviously, the only former player not named Chauncey Billups who recently said they want to get into coaching is Gary Payton. And Gary Payton is pissed at the Pacers for firing Nate McMillan. So he's not going to come be an assistant here. So uh, I don't have a good answer to the question. Mark? Uh, you know, I, if I said ditto, would that be terrible? <laughs> no, I mean, I guess the only person who comes to mind is Chris Finch. I mean, I think that there's a chance with that. And like, like Tony said, with Stan Van Gundy in it now, um, I don't know if he's going to keep Chris Finch around. Um, I think there'd definitely be a lot of merits to bring in Finch. And, and again, Caitlin Cooper wrote some great stuff on that that you should read. Um, I have no idea, man. One, one name I would mention if he wasn't the head of the G League Select team is Brian Shaw. Um, I remember, you know, he was one of the guys who, who could have replaced Frank Vogel. Um, That's who I wanted to replace him. Yeah. See, I have and a question. He, do, either of you know how to, do either of you know how to pronounce the old Rockets assistant who's now a Pelicans assistant? Jeff? Jeff Bizdelic. Bizdelic? Yeah, he's yeah. a good defensive coach too, right? So Burke's gone uh, and McMillan's gone. Maybe you could snap him up from New Orleans too. I mean, he tried to retire two years ago, so I get why he might not yeah. be receptive to that, but he's another one from that New Orleans staff. Yeah, well, I heard somewhere that uh, – I forget where I, listened, where I heard of that, but it was on a podcast, and they were talking about how Chris Finch and Nick Nurse actually have a pretty re- uh, good relationship going back to, I think, coaching in the European leagues maybe. I'm not, I'm not really sure if that's if they both did, but they were saying that Chris Finch actually could replace uh, Nate Bjorgren on the Raptors staff, which would be intriguing as oh, well. well. So yeah. that's, that's what I heard. It was from, it was from somebody that would kind of have an idea of what they're talking about, but it's all just kind of speculation. Um, what about what about someone the Pacers interviewed for a defense a defensive minded coach from uh, Philadelphia, Ime Doku? Oh yeah, if he'd be yeah. willing to switch teams, he, he's a good coach. Yeah, well, did he stay on? Too. Did he stay on with Philly? I have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't know that stuff. Not, he hasn't finalized. His That's staff a good one. Yet, I don't think um, we could save David Vanterpool from Minnesota, even though he should be a head coach somewhere. I think um, every single offseason there's coaching firing and then they're like, we're interviewing David Vanterpool. And then he, doesn't and then he never gets it. And interviews. He's somebody, he should definitely get a look. And I mean, Oklahoma city and Houston still have stuff up. Um, I mean, still have job openings, not stuff up, but I mean, yeah, if we could snag David Vanterpool, that would be huge. He's a really good coach and players love that guy. Um, yeah. Like, have you ever seen Damian Lillard goes to bat for David Vanterpool, which mm-hmm. I mean, that speaks volumes. So, um, and also Ryan Saunders is probably the worst coach in the NBA. So I wouldn't blame David Vanterpool for anything going on in, in Minnesota. So <laughs> all well, my uh, friends who cover the Timberwolves do not have anything high, high to say on, on Ryan Saunders. So, well, uh, I, I guess uh, we have a question. Uh, somebody asked about David West joining as an uh, assistant coach. I mean, I know that was kind of brought up when uh, they said they were talking to West uh, about, you know, the future of the team or whatever. I believe Pritchard said that in his first media uh, conversation with you guys at the end of the season. So what are your thoughts on David West? I I don't know if he'd want to do that. Uh, It's kind of like Bjorgren. I just, I have no idea, right? He's never, he's never done it before. Um, I'm trying to piece together like legitimate thoughts about it. Like, I guess the way he played, he kind of played on some, championship kind of teams and he had that gravity as a teammate right where guys wanted to 
play with him, but I, I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a I terrible like answer. It. I, I really, I mean, in speaking to David West, the one time I did like just incredible guy, man, like I could talk to that dude for forever. Um, I don't I have no idea about him as a coach. Um, obviously yeah. he's really tight with TJ Warren. Um, I'm, I'm sure that he's, he's had communications with some of the dudes on the staff as well. Um, but again, like, uh, I, I don't, I personally don't know how he felt about Nate getting fired. So I don't know. Cause you mentioned that with Gary Payton, Tony. Um, I know that could potentially be a right. thing as well. Um, so I'm not sure, but I, I mean, I'd love to see it. So, yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> I don't remember who said, it. I think it was, it might've been, was it Naptown hoops or I Pacers put something out about Roy Hibbert coming back to the Pacers and he actually responded. <laughs> he has so, experience now. Roy Hibbert to the Pacers. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, he yeah, coached Philly. So yeah, no, that mean, if they want a former player, one of those two would be fine. Right. But yeah, it's interesting because I know like when you, when you think about player or coaches, they could add, like, it's just a crapshoot. And I've actually tried to do some research on figuring out who was on those G league staffs when Nate Bjorgren was head coach. And I, didn't do like thorough research, but I looked for like 10, 15 minutes and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> so I was just like curious if there's like just even a name out there, like someone that had been with him for a couple stops, you know, similar mm-hmm. to how he was with nurse, but I didn't see anything. So I don't really have too much on that, but let's just go ahead and finish some of these questions here before we get into our last segment where I'm going to play a little game with you guys. Um, so the next question is from Des and Adams. He goes, who are five free agents that you think would fit the new look we are oh, sure no. to have? So five. Um, well, just just give your uh, give give one or two <laughs> free agents that you would like. Uh, okay, five free agents that would fit the Pacers. Anthony Davis, uh, <laughs> Gallant. I'm just kidding. Brandon Ingram. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Ingram. <laughs> five. So, okay, so do I have to like have a budget? How, well, I guess we'll. I guess we'll. Do you want to do a realistic free agents? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just give out like a realistic free agent, maybe with like the MLE or something like yeah okay marco first okay no, give me I a minute to think. That, Tony. so it's actually really funny because i'm working on a on like a piece on the cap that i'm gonna drop tomorrow but um i actually don't know if the pacers are going to be able to use the mle outside of if they sign justin holiday to it because the cap is totally screwed right now for the pacers um not like terrible but i mean they're really close to the tax like it's ugly um also shout out monte ellis for being part of the reason why this team is so close to the tax right now um no i mean if so like let's say hypothetically like some trade happens money opens up on the mle i think my number one target would be a guy like i paul Millsap's <laughs> probably number two for me just because of his age right now um but i think as a veteran presence i mean we saw what he did in denver everyone i've talked to in denver has really positive stuff to say about how he impacted that locker room i think he'd be a really great guy to get in here on like a, a, a one or two year deal um, he's not going to be a super high level contributor, but I mean, for 20, sometimes 25 minutes a night, I think he'd be really quality. Um, but again, if both miles and Domas are here, I kind of question using the MLE on somebody who can't really play with both of them. Um, so that would, my number one guy would probably be Mo Harkless, but I think he's going to be targeted by everybody because he's going to be a great MLE target. He's decent enough as a shooter. When find someone else. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, Damian Dotson is somebody I really like too, but he's like, he doesn't make as much sense for the team because they, they need a four, which means they probably won't end up signing a four because they haven't for the last three years. So, um, 
I mean, not to be a pessimist again, I'm just being mean. Um, but I mean, I really like da- Damian Dotson had a really weird role in, in New York because nobody knows what they're doing in New York. Um, and they have more power forwards and centers than this roster does. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of guys who are interesting, but nobody who's like going to be a necessary needle mover. And it's interesting to look at too. I'm giving you more time, Tony, as I prolong this. Um, <laughs> you can stop anytime. I have <laughs> no, I mean, I think the last thing I would say is just like, uh, I, I just don't know. It depends what the team's trying to do under coach Bjorkren. Um, that, that makes me wonder whether or not this team will even spend the MLE. Like, I think if they did, uh, it would be to re-sign Justin personally. Like, I, I don't know if they will uh, go out of their way to get somebody with it uh, unless they break it up into multiple people to fill out the roster. But um, I'll, I'll talk more about that on, a, on an article. But, yeah, you can, you can go talk. I also that. want to write about that. Okay. I have I'm four. getting to it first. So <laughs> got four. Okay. I, I, I have scrolled through the list, and I have done a podcast on every position except for centers uh, because why center? But anyway. Uh, Paul Millsap, definitely. Mark, Mark said Paul Millsap. Uh, the problem is, right, if, if both centers stay, Bjorgren kind of mentioned that sounds like he likes both guys and you know, t- kind of too early to stay there. Maybe in a month mm-hmm. I'll come back to that. But uh, he's, he's a great player. Uh, not a good playoff player at this stage in his career, but a good player who could help uh, 20 minutes a game in the playoffs. Dar Saric, I really like. Uh, the stretch four that they have always claimed to want but never actually signed, like Mark said. Uh, the problem is he's restricted, but I don't know what Phoenix is looking – to do after their big bubble are they willing trying to keep him on the bench there he played backup center for them really well i don't i don't really know jay crowder might be the dream target to me i feel uh, like he, yeah. do you think he's going to get more than emily i feel like he might yeah after oh yeah the playoffs see yeah. i think that the way the pacers could get him the problem is with jay crowder right celtics amazing heat amazing grizzlies and jazz awful <laughs> exactly player, right? awful player so it's such a huge risk getting him but like the Heat are going to offer him one for like 17 or 18, right? Because they yeah. want to have that sweet 2021 20, money. So can if the Pacers offer three for 30, would he take that? I have no idea. I don't know Jay Crowder. And I had – oh, my last one is Derek Jones Jr., who I have yes, a giant yes. crush on. How did I and not say – yes. Can, can play many positions, can defend many positions. But he can't but shoot. Not oh, a man. huge deal if he, ex, if, if he ends up benched for a few games because he's out of rotation. Not a big deal. He's not so good that – He's going to pout about that. That makes it hard to sign him because you're, you're saying you're not promised a role. I don't know if he's going to agree to that, but uh, kind of a jack of all trades kind of guy who can play in the wing is kind of exactly what the Patriots need, especially if they lose Justin Holiday. Yeah, this, it's, uh, this is a tough list because there's a lot of crappy uh, free agents, and it's like they're all just role players. So it's well, like... and, and Mark said it best. Like Either they lose Justin Holiday and they're only looking at one position with their MLE, or they keep Justin Holiday in the MLE, and then they have nothing, they can't get anything. Right. So yeah, it's like, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to really break down what they can get. Any, any, any uh, suggestions on like Chris Boucher or uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson? Like, I would just not just because Chris Boucher, just because they're, they're Raptors people. Uh, that's kind of where I was going. I, mean, I like Mo. I would Mo throw minimum at Rondé. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Oh yeah. I would throw, if you could get Rondé at the minimum, I would definitely do that. He's worth it. Um, but Chris Boucher, I think is going to get overpaid this summer. Just what because about, he's a big who can shoot. Here, that's the sales pitch, right? For Rondé coming, he comes in the door. And there's just a thousand pictures of Jakar Sampson playing in the playoffs on the he's wall. Be- yeah. He's more athletic than Jakar Sampson. <laughs> and you say, he's we got this like, guy who wasn't even supposed to play for us to play many important minutes for us all season long. You, If you can do that, you're going to make a lot of money from the Pacers. That's he would be fan- if, actually, yeah, I would move him, him into my list. He'd be a fantastic <laughs> Pacer. 
I like Tory Craig. I always have. I also with, like Tory Craig. With Denver, I think he makes a lot of sense. I, I do too, like Jer- Derek Jones Jr. Um, this is somebody I liked last year, and he went to the Clippers, Jermichael Green. Uh, just somebody. And then. Um, weird, though, because I, I talked to. Um, I don't know if you know Robert Flamtoni. I think he used to work at I Basketball do. Index. But yeah, I was talking to him for my Clippers offseason pod. And um, Jermichael Green is just really funky, man. Like, I thought he was going to get a, a, a much bigger role with the Clippers this year. And it just never really happened for him. Um, he's, he's, I don't want to say he's streaky. Like he's a nice player. Um, but I don't know if he's like, it, I feel like I don't want to say the idea is better than the actual player. Um, but he, I don't know. Something has kind of just kind of stepped, stopped him from being like a real crunch time player for them. The Pacers tried yeah. real hard to get him last summer. Also, the yeah. one thing with Torrey Craig, though, I really like Torrey Craig, too. But I think it's important to realize, and I'm not trying – that made me sound like I'm like some basketball purist who knows everything I'm talking you about. You are. But I meant to say, like, Torrey <laughs> Craig, he's a really nice player, but he cannot guard anyone his size or bigger. Like, oh, my God, it is a nightmare. And that would be, like, the idea of getting somebody like him is to guard somebody that size because there's nobody on the team who can do that right at a good enough level and he just gets torched by guys his size um but i mean he's great at like enveloping guys with his arms and and keeping smaller guys at bay but in terms of um guarding the big wings i don't know well that's a little bit depressing because i was kind of envisioning him being more of a defensive presence out there but uh i mean, I mean at this he is but yeah i have one but- final guy i would like to throw in the mix he was okay. my he was on my very short list of guys i really wanted last off season too it might be the go ahead Jeff say Green. It. Oh, oh really? Yes. Jeff yeah. Green would be really nice. Jeff Green is ball five, one of my which will never happen because there's two centers on the team. I think um, he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I understand why he's so up and down, but yeah, he would be great. fantastic. Uh, yeah. What he did with Houston as their like quasi five, like their tallest guy on the roster at six foot eight or six foot nine, like he was amazing against Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the best players in the Wizards a few seasons ago. Like, literally one of the best players on the team. Yeah, well, and he was the second best player for the Cavs during uh, the final yeah. uh, LeBron Cavs run. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, no, he was really good. I think another name that's kind of intriguing if he doesn't get his team option picked up is Bobby Portis because I don't think he's going to make 15 million. I just think he's an okay player. He's young and, and he's still got some skills. And, and then another guy that I would take a gamble on who unfortunately didn't get his. Uh, contract picked up in Sacramento is Harry Giles. I uh, I like him as like a under the radar type of guy. But all these all these players are like tenth or eleventh options uh, on our tenth or eleventh in the rotation. So it's not like you're going to be swinging the right. you know you're See, not going to be hitting on anything. So it's it's not as fun to talk about. It's either right. The problem with covering Pacers free agency is one. It's kind of unfun for me to just guess who they're going to sign. But the problem with covering Pacers free agency is either. You're just guessing, right? Like you said, at the eleventh man who's never going to play, right? So who's going to who's going to take the role or the money? Or they make a huge trade, and then who the hell cares what we just said? We have to completely reassess what they need in free agency. So it's yeah. impossible to cover. Yeah, I have like no idea what to write. Sometimes I'm just kind of like staring at my computer. I'm like, well, eighty-seven different things could happen this offseason, so I have no idea. But yeah. Well, we have one more. We have one more question before I get into my segment with you guys, and right. it is from AJ Reese. He says, "How much money do you think Sabonis?" Would have gotten this off season if we hadn't extended him. Oh, oh, well, that's uh, a good question. Um, well, I have no idea. Uh, just because the market value of centers isn't that high, and he's still not a good defender, um, 
I mean, I feel like we got paid probably... last summer. Besides him, sorry. Oh, last summer. Let me look at free agency. Uh, but I feel like okay. See, the problem is like he would have been eligible for a five-year deal, right? So like, is he doing that and getting less money in the fifth year? Um, but I can't. That that's like just too stupid to really break down. Is this actually 2019? Yes, Tobias Harris got paid last summer. Okay, I'm trying to oh. think of a good comp for him that got paid. Like last summer. Okay, yeah, Nick Vucevic got four for a hundred. So yeah. about that. Yeah, All Star year. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, after his All Star year, he was a little older too. Terrific numbers. Good. Yeah, right. Vucevic is good. So would that's you a good say? Time. I actually, I right now I'm trying to remember where I put him at. Cause I'm doing a top 100 player rankings thing just for fun, uh, not because I think players. Well, oh, whatever. God bless you. But, you hate <laughs> yourself, yeah, dude. Why? I do hate <laughs> myself. Um, I'm the editor, so I had to put it together. Um, <laughs> but. No, I actually I think Vooch is like a little bit better than Domas. That's fair. Yeah, he's That's a better fair. defender. He's not. He's a good passer. He's not as good of a passer. Better he's shooter. A, well, yeah, but I mean, Domas is really good at stuff. Vooch is really good at stuff too. I don't know. It's like that's my new that's my new analysis for free agency. Vooch well, is, good at, is good at stuff. <laughs> 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 I I am great at the reduction, but yeah, no, I. I don't, I, I really like Vucevic. It's funny, like not to like, bounce around the question. What my answer is four for a hundred. Yeah, I think he could get that. Like, I think the Pacers are lucky that they got him on the deal that they did. He's at a good value right now for sure. Oh yeah, they they. I think they ended up making bank on that one. Um, I thought it was interesting though during the entire negotiation ne- negotiation process, he wanted to make more than miles. That was what kept being reported. Really? I thought that's what they said. They don't remember that. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember who said it because it doesn't make me sound very credible, but I do remember reading that somewhere. <laughs> they, it might've been Jay Michael who said it, but I, I can't, I don't want to like call him out for that, but it was like in the whole entire negotiation conversation, like he wanted to make more than miles uh, or, or around the same amount because I think the paces were offering him less and he felt like, you know, he was worthy of that plus. So that, that to me was interesting during all that, but there, I mean, very similar, and he's going to get all his bonuses, I believe, because of all the, the numbers he hit this year. Yeah, he's an all-NBA bonus that he'll probably never get, but he did get his all-star bonus, which is all-star. a lot of money. Oh, come on. Why'd you have to sound like Nate Duncan there, Tony? <laughs> I mean, Nate Duncan was not no, as wrong he, as people. No, actually, it's really funny. I uh, I, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. So. Look, look, the worst all-star ever. Yeah, that's the most. Yeah, that was egregious to say. Nonsense but... I've ever heard in my life, but like. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Caleb, I forgot I about, about this too. I don't know if like there's a pretty real like, path that he'll never be an all star again. Oh, so. I don't think he'll ever be an all star again right now. <laughs> I mean, it's might maybe a stretch to say, but like already there's going to be a lot of East players who are jumping close to him or passing him next year. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Durant's back. I just I don't see it. Call yeah, me there, crazy. I don't see it ever happening. There, there might not be a pacer that's an all star. <laughs> to be fair, I also did not think Vic would be an all star again, and he barely got it. So what do I know? Yeah, he had a rough. Second I felt year, like though. he got grandfathered into that a little bit. <laughs> Not is... a little bit, like definitely, but fair. We we keep talking nonsense. All right, Alex, I'm gonna play this game because you told the us nonsense. Yes, part, you know, fun. Okay, yeah. So this is our this is our game, and so I have about a dozen players that I'm gonna ask these guys. Do you think the Pacers have the assets to acquire this player? And if they do, would you, you know, would you make that deal for the Pacers or would you like him on the Pacers? So we're not gonna get into oh, I would trade him and him for him, but more so just. Would you think you they have it? the assets? Yes. And would you like him on the Pacers? So I'll start with you first, Mark, and then Tony, you answer after. Uh, number one on the list, Karis LeVert. Uh, whew, that's a great question. I mean, I think right now 
like I know you just said we're not going to do the who for who, but I mean, like the <laughs> obvious trade. <laughs> the obvious trade is like Karis Levert for Vic, and if I'm Brooklyn, I wouldn't do it. I think Vic is just as awkward of a fit as Karis, and I have more confidence in Karis Levert to stay healthy, which sounds crazy considering Karis Levert is one of the most injured players in the league. Um, but I mean, after what he did in the bubble and being like a legitimate engine of a semi decent team, considering what they had, um, I think his value is probably higher than Vicks right now. Um, so I, I mean, I'm sure that there's an Avenue where the Pacers, like maybe they trade like Vic and, and someone else or like draft capital, which I don't know what that really does for Brooklyn. Um, but I mean, I guess that there's enough there for, for, um, I blanked for, for, to make it happen. But I yeah. personally, I mean, people think Karras is younger than, than he really is. I mean, Karras is 26, almost 27. Um, he's almost the same age as Vic. So, I, I mean, I think it'd be a nice move for Indiana considering you'd have to move on from Vic theoretically, but um, arguably if you're going to make a move like that, I'd rather just try and get a really high end draft pick and see what happens. All right. I, uh, I have a question about the game. Yeah. If that's okay. So they, the, the, the way you said it was, do they have the assets to get the player? So, like, if the Pacers trade every first-round pick they have available, and, you know, the, <laughs> right. like, well, we broke the Obviously, they'll get Karis LeVert. Well, do you mean, like, a realistic asset package? Yeah, I order? mean, do you think okay. the Pacers would offer, let's say, <laughs> I, thought Ola about, Oladipo. I thought you were about to come and be like Carl Anthony Towns, and I was going to be like, ooh, no, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm talking, like, do you think, like – We trade with, T.J. Leaf. And all <laughs> exactly. I was like, yeah. oh. Their okay. roster with what kind of draft capital? You. you know what I mean? I like, I don't you. know what draft capital the Pacers would give up. I, I don't really know why they wouldn't give up more if it if – it, you know, because they always kind of seem to, you know, pick late. They don't really have great picks. And if they could get like, someone – I guarantee if they want Karis LeVert, they have the stuff to get him. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah, well, some people, like I talked to Grady, and he was like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think the Pacers have the assets to get him. He's like, he's like, it'd have to be really enticing with lots of, with lots of picks and Vic. He's like, is that ain't going to I don't know about done? lots of picks, like maybe no, two seconds I mean, like, or like a first or they, something, but still. If they were dying to get Karis, they would trade lots of picks. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. they obviously have the assets, air quotes, but the point of the activity is yes. not that. The point of the activity is, is there a realistic <laughs> trade that makes sense with the assets the Pacers would be willing to give up? I think so. I think so. Karras is really tough for me because I don't know how the Nets view him. If they mm-hmm. think he's like good veteran piece for their going to be soon contending team, or if they're like, this is our best chip to get to being the roster that is, is damn good. You know what I mean? Like if they move him for Drew Vic, I don't, whoever becomes available, Bradley Beal, right then you're like, like damn you know the nets are really good so i don't know how they view him if they view him as as the the trade chip piece they probably pace probably don't have the stuff to get him because they would move him for something big but if they view him as a kind of a vet guy that they would be willing to move for a better vet guy yeah they could get him okay so let's let's change it up to like you said so do you think <laughs> do we Sorry. think the pacers would no it's fine do you think the pacers would would make this trade and if so would you like them on the pacers so we'll just kind of do it that way my wording i was trying to think of it before we came on so it's kind of rushed but uh that's my preparation for you so we'll go back to mark uh number two drew holiday uh i think they'd be crazy not to um i right now i mean it's interesting somebody asked me about this yesterday um i think i mean at the moment, he's a better player than Vic, better defender. I actually think he's a better defender than Vic ever was, which sounds – that's really mean. Um, but, I mean, Vic was a great defender, but you get what I'm saying. Um, also, how cool would it be to have all three Holiday brothers on the same team if Justin were to resign? Um, 
But yeah, I mean, if the Pacers could and would do it, definitely. I, I just don't know if they, I think it's more on New Orleans. Like, I don't, I don't know if New Orleans would be super open to, uh, to trading him. And I spoke to Will Gallery of The Athletic. He's awesome if you don't know his work. Um, he covers the Pelicans for The Athletic. Uh, he said that Drew has actually like vehemently tried to not leave New Orleans. He's openly talked with the front office about not wanting to be traded. Um, so I think it would be a lot harder to get Drew than uh, than than draft and not draft Twitter than trade Twitter realizes. So I agree. I think his value is higher than even myself originally thought. Now that yeah. I and I, I did a pod with uh, Elliot Clow, who covers uh, the he covers the Pelicans for the Believe in Sports podcast network. We tried to come up with Drew trades for the Pacers, and I thought it was kind of impossible. So I'm going to go with no. They don't have the stuff to get Drew. But to the second part of the question. Yes, I would love him on the Pacers. He's a fantastic player. Yeah, that that was kind of a no-brainer. I would also love Karis, but I I kind of poked too many holes in your game <laughs> for me to answer the hey, question. You made the game better, right? Sorry, it's all, it's, it's all about working here. Uh, next, we'll go with Buddy Heald. Mark, oh, can mm. I go first? Yeah, yeah Tony, go, go ahead. First. Yes, they do, and yes, I do. <laughs> I think Buddy. Uh, I like Buddy. A lot of off-court stuff makes it kind of nerve-wracking to trade for him, but damn, I think Buddy Heald is stupid good. So yes, I feel. See, I don't know, insane man. Insane shooter, like ridiculous. Like he's a great shooter, but I, man, I don't know. I just like he's not. He's a <laughs> fine secondary playmaker. Um, he's. I. I mean, yes. I. I think it's so arbitrary for me to look at it like like that. I mean, just in terms of what the Pacers could actually get back in trades for their guys. I think it's more if you can get a guy like Buddy Heald, that's incredible. Like that's that's a way better than than I think we could expect um, for most of the trades that could happen. So I mean, Buddy Heald's a good player. I just get stuck up with his. I mean, luckily his deal's the descending deal, so that's nice. Um, the one good thing that Vladdy did, but like, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you could get him, that'd be cool. But I still, I what he can't he can't guard a potted plant, so that's yes, the down the that downside is also a problem. of Buddy. Well, if yeah. Dan that's, Burke, Oh, One sorry. more year of Dan Burke and Buddy Heald. Oh, oh man. Like, well, see, here's my I'm thing all, with that. all in, and I'm still kind of in. I think he's so good. The thing I get lost in with Buddy, and I thought about this a lot and just like doing like random draft Twitter stuff to, to like see how everyone views like trade value and stuff. Like, I really like Buddy. I think he's a great player. Obviously, one of the best shooters in the league can do it from anywhere. Um, but I think if the idea is, okay, Buddy's starting the backcourt with, with Malcolm, or are you playing a three-guard lineup? Because if, if it's him and Malcolm, I don't want it because you're going to get torched by any small guard that's ever lived. Like Brandon Knight's going to drop 45 points on you even without legs. Um, so, I, I mean, <laughs> that's – I just – just being realistic and honest, like I think that would be a, a terrible defensive backcourt, and I, I don't think – the Pacers would want to do that but um I don't know that's just my opinion I like Buddy and I I feel like with with Luke Walton I don't know what kind of coach he is I'm not a big fan of Luke Walton as a coach I I thought it was a terrible hire I I don't I think Dave Yeager kind of wears on players too and go back to the the history he had with Marcus Saul so I mean what kind of environment has Sacramento really created for Buddy Hill to kind of be acting out this, this way um, you know, that's kind of where I come from. And I feel like Bjorgren, I mean, everything that we've heard is just how positive he is. I think it'd be kind of a breath of fresh air under his coaching style. 
um, and just his demeanor. I mean, because if, if Buddy's got someone always positive in his ear instead of someone that's negative or just kind of blah and, and Luke Walden, I mean, that might be enticing. But uh, let's let's move on. Um, I definitely think the Pacers have the assets to acquire this guy, but should they? And would you like him on the Pacers? That is Gordon Hayward. We'll start with you, Tony. These rumors are, are heating up. Yeah, Gordy's really good. Um, the, the, this one's kind of back to my Drew where I kind of feel like the, the, is the trade permutation possible? the Celtics will take Jeremy Lamb maybe but like as soon as you include include McDermott you're kind of launching a lot for Gordon Hayward I don't know but he's really good um like his stat line's more unique than I think people all know between like his his assists rebounds points that like the the removal of stat head from basketball reference makes finding those unique combinations uh much harder yeah I know um but yeah, Gordy's Gordy's really good and can play multiple positions and is a good defender. Obviously, I love dudes from Indy. I think the trade is hard to come up with, but I think his fit's really good. You're Mark. coming up with a lot of guys that are good fits. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just going with the hot names on the rumor mill right now. So I'm just I'm just trying to talk about guys that could be had. Fair yeah, enough. I mean, I I really like Gordon Hayward. He's a really good player. Um, I think he's. It's difficult. It's he's like basically the Chris Bosh of of Boston. Anytime anything goes wrong in Boston, it's Gordon Hayward's fault. It feels like, um, at least on Twitter, um, he's a really good player. I, I do wonder about like the age timeline a little bit, just because he's gonna he's yeah. coming out of his prime as everyone's coming into their prime. But I mean, he could be that. I don't. Maybe he's like the less age advanced version of Chris Mullen for this team. I don't know. Um, but I, I mean, I think he'd make a lot of sense. Is like you, that way you have good size still I think that's really important getting a three who can play with size to theoretically move TJ to the four but I guess that's not going to happen now um at least not right away (laughs) as much as it pains me um but no I mean I think they do have the assets to make to, to make that trade happen but then I also wonder in what you trade like how much better do you make Boston like and, that's what I was and again, that's up. not, I don't know. I mean, in all the GMs, and if you make your own team better, have, I don't give a damn. No, exactly. I know. I was about to say that, like in all the GMs and front office people I've talked to, like, you can't think like that. But then I just think how good would that defense be with miles, man? Like that defense would be nuts if they had miles as a rim protector. Like yeah. that's, they were a top five defense this year. And Daniel Tice is a really good player, way better than most Pacers fans give him credit for. Cause they always think, Sabonis will just wash him, uh, which does not happen. Um, but Miles as a backline defender on that team will just be like absurd. Like they'd be probably the best defense in the NBA. See, that's that's kind of what I've been thinking too. It's like I think Pritchard and you guys might disagree, but I do think Pritchard is a little bit hesitant to trade Miles in, in his own conference, especially with the age difference between him and Gordon. You know, being about seven eight years difference, I think that makes a, a big difference in the whole thing. And I, I think Adam brought this up on your podcast, Tony. What about a sign and trade for Gordon Hayward? I, I think Bobby Marks or, or Zach Lowe, one of those two, actually brought it up something like three or four years for twenty five million a year, where it's a lot less than thirty four. Now I know that's a lot longer, but I'm saying if like if the Pacers wanted to have Gordon Hayward for the long haul, your thoughts on maybe them doing a sign and trade, but at lesser money per year. Yeah, it takes a lot of cooperation from a lot of people, which makes it a tough machination. It would be – the requirements would be, like, the Celtics want stuff from – because, like, Gordy can't get to the Pacers without a trade, right? So the yeah. Celtics can demand the farm in this even, – even in this scenario where it's a sign-in trade. The only yeah. way the Pacers can get him is 
via sign and trade. So the Celtics can go, okay, if you're not throwing in Aaron Holiday or a first round pick or whatever, like even if the salaries match, we don't care. We're not doing it because Gordon Hayward's good and he can be on Celtics next year. So that's still a hard machination. But the, yeah, the, the problem is, is like you'd need two salaries of, of Lamb, McDermott, and TJ Warren. And they're not going to trade Warren, like obviously, but you need two of those three guys plus Turner to make the salaries work. And that's all, it's a lot of rotation stuff already if the salary is less then all of a sudden you only need one of those three guys but then again you need that cooperation from the celtics in which case more money so it's tough well yeah it's hard too because like do i really want to be paying gordon hayward 25 million dollars when he's 34 35 he's really good why not i mean he is he's not going to be really good when he's 34 35 like we don't I, know that. I, okay. I mean, we don't know that, but at the same time, just looking at trajectories of guys who are decently athletic um, and his game is not super predicated on athleticism, but um, I don't know. I think you also have to look at this team has to pay TJ Warren in two years. Um, obviously Vic's deal, I guess Vic isn't technically wouldn't be part of that deal. Vic has to be paid this next year. I just think, you know, you look at what you're paying the top six guys on the roster um, I, it, this team's so close to the luxury tax already. I just don't know how you make that work. Um, huh. that's a good point. Really weird. Yeah. I mean, another thing too, it's like, even if you did the sign and trade, you, you try it out for your year, see how it is. And if you realize, Hey, this isn't working. If he's only got, you know, two years left on his deal for $50 million or whatever it is, you could probably flip that too. I mean, I don't think that's a very hard contract to trade, especially, someone like Gordon Hayward, who is, you know, very valued around the league. I think that's kind of where I stand with it. But um, this next one, I want to move on. I know we got a lot of players left to do. So uh, Chris Paul, I'll start with you first, Mark. Um, <laughs> I, dude, oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm <laughs> torn on this, man. I think Chris Paul would be the best player on the team. That's on the best player on the team ever of all yeah. time. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But not in his current state, no. In his current state, yes. no. Reggie, yes, okay. Right Reggie now. at his peak would oh, be better Tony, than Tony. You're going to lose a lot of Reg, Okay. Let's be real. <laughs> Reggie at his peak is better than this version of Chris Paul. But Chris Paul is definitely a better player than Reggie ever was. Like, walk out of my room. You're about to walk out of your room right now? Oh, God. I'm being honest. Like, I mean, Chris, okay. Let's be real though. Chris Paul, I, he was like a top 12 player this year, like a legitimate MVP case. Um, I think. But my thing is just, I I mean, this team is better than OKC was. I think if you look at the roster, like top to bottom, yeah. You So you imagine, okay, you add Chris Paul to this. That team's like what? Like a 58-win team or something. And maybe they're definitely like a top four seed. But you look at everyone else, and I still just think like, how how does this team actually stack up uh, to, to the top teams in the East if you make a Chris Paul trade? Then your championship window is like what? Like, or contention window, whatever you want to call it. What is it like one or two years? Um, so you're just really advancing your timeline. I mean, I Come think on, Mark, it would be the most, it. it would be the most non Pacers thing to make a big splashy trade like that. So I would go for it personally. I think I just, I love Daryl Morey because Daryl Morey just goes for it. Like he does his job. He does not just sit on his hands and be like, well, my owner wants us to win games and, and not pay the tax. Daryl Moore doesn't care, except he quit because his owner doesn't want to pay the tax. Um, but I, yeah, if if it could happen, heck yes, I would do it. I would definitely do it. Like I, I just don't think the Pacers ever would, or or really even think about it. That was Tony, a really long winded answer. Any any other thoughts on this, Tony? 
I've just always been a big Chris Paul fan. There was a there was a, 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 a not that long ago time where Tony East thought Chris Paul is the best player in the NBA, the entire NBA. In the entire wow. NBA? I, oh. I will not say when that time was. I will let the listener try and guess. But, yeah, I've, I've always been a huge Chris Paul fan. I actually have a Chris Paul jersey. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's real if you have a jersey. Yeah, well, I very rarely can... buy jerseys of players. I have a Chris Paul jersey. Well, that, I think... might help, that might help fans go back to realize when you uh... – when you thought he was the best player because jerseys were only around for a few seasons. So, Oh no, no, no. I'm not talking about like the, the game. I'm just talking like a t-shirt. Oh, with a I got number on the back. I, <laughs> I, I get why that was confusing though. Cause yes, the NBA <laughs> did have those God awful shirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, Chris Paul, someone that I would love on here. I think he fills two roles that Pacers really need. That's, that's an alpha male and a, and a winner. I know that he's, you know, never made it to the oh, finals or like that. Him, Warren and Sabonis and Brogdon is that would be amazing. so good. It's it that is would so be good. I mean, my head I, is in my hand, dude. That is so good. Everybody freaks out about the age. It's like, I don't care who the fifth starter is. It could be you or me or I, I don't care. Let me look Jakar at what he did with play. OKC. Make Jakar the fifth starter. <laughs> I, I totally understand. Look, I totally understand the downsides of Chris Paul, right? He's a million years old. He is going to miss some time with injuries. His playoff pedigree not that good. Never been in a never been in a conference finals. But uh, forty million on his contract. That's that's the thing that scares people. But he's the edge it. in the contract. Exactly. He's, like he's if you want to win, if you want to win, and you have the opportunity to move for Chris Paul, like I, again, I think there's no way that the front office would even contemplate this with where they're at right now. Um, but if you could get Chris Paul here, I mean, oh my God, that team would be so good. And he would be the best point guard this team has ever had easily. I mean, by like a million miles. <laughs> Who's like he this... competing with? <laughs> you know oh, yeah. I mean? well, some people would say Mark Sorry, Jackson. Over, I'd say Mark they're freaking yeah. crazy. Mark Jackson was Mark not Fleming. that good. He was really not that good. <laughs> see, see, the, 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 the trouble is this is a two-part question about Alex's game. Is Do they have the stuff to do it? Miles and Vic for Chris Paul kind of seems like the Pacers are shooting themselves in the foot. I don't think they should do that. As much as I personally love it, I don't think they should do that. But then you get to like Vic plus Lamb plus McDermott, then the Thunder are out, or Miles plus something plus something. It's kind yeah. of a hard machination to come up with. So it, it, that's why I don't think it'll happen. Well, beyond a million other reasons. But. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I came up with something where you could like get like Turner, Lamb. Uh, I believe it was like TJ Leaf, McConnell, because those are like, that's like $8 billion right there in expirings. And yep. then maybe a couple picks. And uh, I threw a trade out there, and I think it was Derek Schultz was like, this is uh, – he's like, no, really emphatically. But, uh, yeah, to me, I just thought, hey, I mean – Oh, I saw that. You got ratioed hard, man. I did. Did no one know that I'm, like, the world's biggest Chris Paul? I did not know that. I feel like you've told me this before, but I didn't remember. You're my top five favorite NBA players for over a decade, yeah. Yeah, I just – I'm so enamored with him as well. I I love his game, and it'd be even cooler if David West was an assistant coach with Chris Paul. (laughs) All my favorite players are – I actually – is there beef there? I can't remember. I feel like I don't know because the the Hornets tenure ended badly. Like no that ended bad. That's a long time ago. That's I that's, forgot yeah, all I about was, that. Gosh, I remember well, that, when that Hornets yeah. tenure ended. I was like fourteen. Oh, yeah. that's a, I was what? <laughs> oh, I was like probably yeah. Because that ended in two thousand seven, wow. so I was ten years old. No, it ended, David was on the Hornets in like two thousand twelve or eleven. Yeah, because so. it came. Okay, I was I was much older than I just I just lied. <laughs> yeah, I was about eighteen, but uh. Um, yeah, so the next one, this is a, a, a two-parter. So it's Andrew Wiggins plus the second overall pick from Golden State. No. No and no. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the idea of a second overall pick. Uh, less high on Andrew Wiggins. Um, okay, so I got flamed for this recently uh, in the Indy Cornrows comment section. I said that Andrew Wiggins 
is a good player. And just hear me out, okay? <laughs> in terms of basketball talent, Andrew Wiggins is a very talented player. It's like, it comes down to me, partially it's because Rudy Gay was my first favorite player. Um, and Andrew Wiggins is Rudy Gay on steroids. Um, so, like, he's a good player, but in terms of his role, he is, like, the worst at his role. So that's where I'm at. Like, I think he would make no sense on this team. It's cool that you get the second overall pick, but then again, like you still have a bunch of dudes like TJ Warren's 27 or is going to be 27. Malcolm Brogdon already is 27. Um, like you're the second overall picks, what somebody like 19 or 20, maybe even 18. I like just in terms of where the team's at, I just don't think it really makes a lot of sense to get the second overall pick unless you're Thank planning you. like a massive teardown. Yep. Um, because how often do you acquire a pick that high and then integrate them into a team that was arguably, you know, a 51 team or like was on the cusp of being a 51 team like that. That's not an easy thing to do. Often those guys are coming in as a primary option and they're ready to make mistakes and learn on the fly at the head of a team, like a guy like Trey young. Um, you're not going to get that with the Pacers. So I just don't think it makes a lot of sense to make that trade. I'm getting a call from Darko Milicic. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Well, uh, John Morant's calling too from last year. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But I mean, John's different, man. Like, I well, that's seen, that's. And so I only whole, say Darko because you mentioned a good team having the second pick. But no, yeah. that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have a chance, to obviously get, he was bad. If you have a chance to get the second overall pick, that's something the Pacers have never really had. I mean, if you in, in since like the '90s or the '80s, actually, when they drafted in the lottery and they swung and missed and traded their picks. They could have had Michael Jordan and traded that pick, you know? So it's like uh, the Pacers have never really had this opportunity. And I think this draft is so weird. It's so hard to figure out what exactly, you know, the, the, the overall talent is like, sure. We can do evaluations, but I really think like not having March madness really did kind of, you know, it kind of hindered people from really getting an idea of what they could get from certain players, especially high pressure moments. There's always people that stick out, and end up, you know, catapulting up those draft boards. But, you know, I like Anthony Edwards a lot. If he was there at number two, it'd be really hard to, you know, turn that down just because I've seen so many comparisons to, to him and uh, Victor Oladipo, actually. And um, I actually saw, uh, I think it was Mike Schmitz from ESPN said that he has some James Harden and some Donovan Mitchell in him as well. But the downside is they also said that he could, you know, they show some signs of like uh, like an Andrew Wiggins who's involved in this trade idea. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. I think that you guys make good points on the age and does it really fit for now. But I just think if you have the opportunity to go out there and acquire a number two overall pick, it's really would be really hard for me as a GM to turn that down because of the the weirdness of of this season and and the opportunity probably won't be there for a very long time to get into the top top two. So that's that's where I'm at on that. But I'll it's move not the year for it for me. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll move I forward. Agree. This is this is the, my favorite person. I'd like to see the Pacers acquire Ooh. this offseason. Okay, I've I've floated it around a lot on my podcast. So it's uh, Raptors free agent Fred VanVleet. <laughs> uh, Mark, go ahead. Oh wait, wait, wait. Uh, sorry, sorry. The assets like if in a sign and trade. How do, how are we? Yes, yeah, so my whole thing was like a sign and trade. Like okay. I gave out two yep. different options. I said. On the podcast, I said if the if the Raptors really want cap space, they could take a flyer on Vic. He'd be a free agent next year. They'd have his bird rights. They could sign Giannis, and they could re-sign Vic and pair him with Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, which I thought would be an amazing, you know, four right there. Or if they, you know, don't want to go with Vic, 
and you, you know, Sean Woodley was talking high about uh, Turner and, you know, Kelsey was talking high about Turner on our thing. I thought maybe they might be interested in Turner for a sign and trade for, for Fred Van Vliet. So those were kind of my two thinkings there. Yeah. Fred's good. Um, okay. So the Raptors would do this. Sorry. Sign and trades. I always have to really think through, you know, why the team giving up the guy is doing it because that is often the hardest part to materialize. So like, right. If the Raptors like Miles more than Fred, then yeah, there there's something to that, I think, for sure, because then all of a sudden they're using their bird rights on Van Vliet to get a good player instead of letting him walk to, you know, it sounds like the Knicks and the Pistons are, right. are all over Fred. So using their bird rights to, instead of losing him for nothing to get Miles is great. Uh, the flyer on Vic is an option too, although to me, Fred's better right now. So wouldn't they just rather, oh, I agree. rather keep Van Vliet at that point? But I get what you're saying, the expiring being a factor there. Yeah. Um, I think well, if the Raptors like Miles Turner, there's there's something there. But that one's a bit harder to shake for me because the incentive for the Raptors is is kind of well, tough. Well, let me throw this out there, too. I mean, it's just, you know, just kind of speaking out loud. But it's like we know that Nick Nurse and Nate Bjorgren have a good relationship. Yep. And if, if Van Vliet said, hey, I want to go play with Coach Nate, I feel like I have a better opportunity there. And the Raptors are wanting to take care of their players because, you know, it's kind of similar with what Philly did with Jimmy Butler. You know, they did the sign and trade to, you know, get back Josh Richardson. Now, obviously that didn't work out for Philly, but if they were to say no, they could have, you know, blocked Jimmy from going to Miami. And then it's like, oh, then how does that affect player relationships with GMs? I mean, I get your side of it. Like, why would the front office do it? But with it being a player's league of players are told no in a sign and trade situation, does that, you know, put a little bit of a damper on that team's front office? Right. That's fair. I, I think Fred's good. And even if Vic's on the team, that three guard unit would work. Uh, Fred, Vic and Brogdon, all good players. Yeah. I just uh, really like his game. That's yeah, he's, all. he's really good. Uh, we were born in the same town. Uh, so both of us obviously turned out to be very famous. Uh, <laughs> is he from Rockford? He is from Rockford, Illinois. Yeah, yes. That's what I thought. Um, so that, that's cool. I would ask him a million questions about that. on uh, <laughs> Day one with the org. Yeah. I don't know why I'm tripping over my words. Like he's good and is a good fit. And I think the assets make some sense if the Raptors have interest. So I, yeah, I guess yes. And yes are my answers. Yeah. I don't know why I struggled with that though. That, that that makes me think more, but go ahead. You're just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would like, I think I'd say yes. He's, he's a nice player. I I still think like my biggest thing is just this, the, the Pacers really miss like a real dribble drive threat who can score at the rim and create stuff for others. And wow. Fred Fred can Chris Paul. Well, exactly. Like I like <laughs> or Chris Kyle Paul. Lowry or Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Yeah. But even Kyle Lowry's not like great at it. Cause he, he's kind of, he's not hesitant at the rim, but he, he passes out a ton without even really looking at the rim. So I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would do it. I mean, he's a good player. You, you can never go wrong signing a good player. So. All right. So we got yes. And yes, that's all I wanted. Thank you for helping build my confidence in this. Um, also, Oh wait, I do have to interject. Um, I have a player that I do want to mention at the end if, if he's not on your list. Is that okay? All right. If he's not on here, I got five more. I'll go through them quick because okay. these are lower-level players now. All right. We just have to go with yes-no here. Yes. All right. Next, Aaron Gordon. No. Yeah. Yes, no. assets. No, I don't want him. I'm split. I wrote a really long-winded piece with way too many clips in it about what Aaron Gordon is in the league right now and what he could look somewhere else. Um, I just – He's somebody, he's like very enamoring because he, you're like, well, what could he look like if he was in a better organization? But then you're also like, well, what would he look like if he didn't take 16 foot fadeaways when he's contested by three guys? So 
I don't know. And he's not as good of a defender as, as you'd think. Um, he's, he can be nice in one-on-one situations, but he's got bad off ball tendencies. Um, I mean, like Tony said, like maybe if you had a season with Dan Burke, that'd be cool. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you're, I guess it just depends what you're giving up, but also if, you know, Miles and Domas are both here. I don't know. And also he operates from a lot of the same places that, that Domas does. So I don't know what their fit would be like. Yeah, I, I'll say yes and yes. People know I like Aaron Gordon. I'm intrigued by his potential. Uh, next, John Collins. Mark. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, if you're like, tech, I, mean, I guess you're technically trading Miles. Like the fifth's still like a little bit murky because he's not a great perimeter defender. He's not really, I mean, he's a fine, he's a good weak side shot blocker, but he's not like an awesome defender. Um, he's not really going to do a ton in terms of playmaking, but he's one of the best rim rollers in the league, one of the best lob threats in the league. And he showed that he's a really good three-point shooter and a willing three-point shooter. So I guess like you'd look at it and be like, oh, well, he's like the, an actual, he's, he's a more realized version of Miles with less of the defense and more of the rebounding. So, I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, I would do it. I mean, I really like John Collins minus the ped suspensions. Right. <laughs> Tony? Uh, yeah, he's good. Uh, it's not really a trade that I'm like, yeah, the Pacers get a, a lot better because they have John Collins now. So yeah, yeah, I just uh, I just heard his name was like possibly out there on the trademark. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured it out. Let's they trade uh, TJ Lee for a time machine and then go back. <laughs> to, uh, oh man, 2017 draft. I got a funny story to tell you after we get done with this off the air about that. <laughs> next, next player. All right, we got uh, this is your guy Tony Kevin Love. Oh, I love Kevin Love. Yeah, he's good. Uh, not a good asset fit, though, so no trade. But, yes, I would like him on the Pacers. You'd like him on the Pacers? Yeah, Kevin Love's good, man. <laughs> Next to Domas? Yeah. Oh, the offense would be sick, but, dude, oh, my God. Teams would shoot, like, 68% at the rim the whole year. It not with that awful. news. I think that is very, very dramatically underrated. Domas' is... rim defense. That I was being a little Space dramatic. defense, admittedly bad, yes. I'm being dramatic. But, yeah, that would be <laughs> the – God, I would I – would... Yeah, I'm Kevin Love. He's good. So uh, I, I think I'd say no. no, just his age and where, I mean, his contracts, I'd say no. I think oh. the team has assets to do it because Kevin Love is like almost a negative asset with his contract. So, um, but I'd say no personally. All right. Two more. This one should be really quick. Kelly Oubre. I know Mark, you're a big fan of him. Yes. Ooh. Yes. And yes. If he resigns, if he's going to resign. Wow. Yes. I've never thought um, about this one. Uh, well, kind of, but not in the context of like we want Kelly Oubre. Yeah, yeah, I'll go yes and yes as well. He's good. All right, and then last but not least, Zach Levine. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, what you heard me snort. Just who has to trade? Uh, um, well, it, it basically is like your Vic replacement. Would you be okay with him replacing Vic in that starting shooting guard position? I think I would be. Uh, he's better just, than Vic right now. So that is true. super athletic. He has a good three point shot. I mean defense could be a lot better i mean he's not great but it's he's a he's an upgrade timeline fit is good that's that's an interesting one i don't love zach levine's defense or his inability to shoot from well he's a he became a good shooter last year yeah though. he shot really well last year i mean yeah i might be more into that than i than the perception of that i think so i'll go yeah. yes yes I think my um, biggest yes, yes but I, I don't know how the Bulls accept that but yeah. they would yeah that's right yeah. you gotta probably do a three-team trade of some sort yeah would be my guess Maybe yeah, I don't. I don't think the Pacers have the means to do it, but like Levine's a good player, even his given his warts. Yeah, uh, but he's also a really bad passer, like a really. Maybe bad something passer. that ends with like uh, the Bulls getting Andrew Wiggins in the second pick. <laughs> yeah, a three-team yeah. trade that could make some sense. Yeah, hey, I, I'm okay with that. I, I mean, I don't hate Zach Levine. I know a lot of people are sour on him, 
but he's not really been in great organizations. I mean, he's definitely better on his perception. I think just yeah. don't put a time clock in the, in the, in the practice facility. So <laughs> absolutely. Well, that wraps up the segment. I know we've kind of gone long. Wait, so okay. I... wait, wait, wait. One, the, the one person I'm oh, sorry. Yes, I have to do I'm this. Sorry. I have I to do this just cause I've been flowing this with, uh, I don't know if you guys know Rhett Bauer. He's, he's cool. Um, he's on Pacers Square. I talked to him. Oh yeah. I know. Rhett. Yeah, yeah. Um, DeJounte Murray to the Pacers. There's actually legs there. And, I really why? like the, the what do you mean why why are there legs there do I not know like I, I mean there's not like a trade that's gonna happen but you look at Derek White was way better in the bubble um they have like way too many guards to actually play all of them I mean Kelvin Johnson is gonna be a three Lonnie Walker still needs to find his role there um I think there's a real chance that they they could be willing to part ways with DeJounte Murray um mm. so I don't know I mean you could theoretically like if they wanted to let Pirtle walk and they uh, which I don't think they will, but like you could, if you entice them, we're like, okay, we'll trade Miles Turner for Dejounte Murray and like cap filler or something. What? Um, no <laughs> what? way. I would, I would maybe do Goga. <laughs> you you know? would? Are you? You would not trade Miles for Dejounte Murray? I don't think so. No, I don't think I would. Dejounte Murray's? Am I missing something? Have you? Have you never watched Dejounte Murray play? I yeah. have very. I'm he's very so often. good. I'm, I'm not that impressed. He's, not He's all right. He has a lot to work on. Okay. You just said that a team's going to try to play Derek White and Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson over the guy. He cannot possibly. No, they're not going to play them. They're not going to play him over him. I mean, I like Dejounte. He's a scrappy as hell defender, but uh, he's all right. I, I get. Even, I just I like defense too much. Even that much better than Aaron Hodig? What? Oh my! <laughs> he's definitely better than Aaron. Are we just saying that because he's on the Spurs? No, I mean, we'll be that saying that. Thing. Well, I mean, if Aaron Holiday was on the Spurs, we'd be saying the same thing. Yeah, wow, Mark, this is this is a take. This I, is a take. I think that it's man. You got dragged for Andrew Wiggins. It. We're about to drag like, you for the drag. This is a drag take. Me, drag me to hell. Why not? Throw <laughs> <laughs> on the movie. I have never really thought of a guy for this segment. I'm, I was kind of wishing. Now that Mark said he had a guy, I wanted to come. Come on, again. Tony. Think of had something. to one up me. Fake, well, Chris Paul is my dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kyle Lowry is enticing too, but I mean, it's an expiring, uh, so I don't think they're going to get rid well, of him. My, all my crushes are players that Pacers fans would hate. Like, I love John Wall. No one wants him. Uh, yeah, well, Alex what about Abrinas, John Wall? Alex Sabrinas oh. plays in Europe. Uh, Gortat retired, and they don't need a center. So none Bring of my back on Mahimi. None of my NBA crushes make any sense. Well, talk about John Wall. I mean, would he make sense? No. Uh, I mean, no. at all? Not, not at, at all. all. Not at all. My favorite player ever, but no, he does not make any sense. I know, His I know high school mixtape is the best mixtape of all time. <laughs> Better than Austin Rivers. I don't care what people say. <laughs> all right. Well, car is obviously number one, but yes. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this lengthy episode. If it takes you a couple of days to listen to it, we apologize, but not really. <laughs> Sorry. We hope you guys enjoyed the content. It's a lot. It's a lot here. I didn't know we were going to go off on all these tangents, but hey, it's fun. And you don't get this very often. So, Mark, you want to plug anything before we sign off? Um. My friend Cody Hodek wrote, uh, I know it's not a Pacers player, uh, Ben Wallace. Oh, incredible, incredible player. Uh, Forget the fact that he was really heavily, heavily involved in the Palace, if you can. He started um, it. No, Ron started it. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) well, my my, my friend Cody Hodek wrote a really good piece on Ben Wallace, like 4,000 words, 40-plus clips. Uh, he does work for Thinking Basketball with Ben Taylor. So definitely go check that out. It was a really, really good read if you enjoy, like, player analysis. Okay. Tony, anything for you? Uh, not, no, not, not really. Uh, got an interview coming <laughs> with a former Pacer soon, but I don't want to oh, cool. spill it. All right. Well, there you guys have it. Be on the lookout for all that stuff. And uh, 
Make sure you go check out all of our podcasts, Indy Cornrows, Locked on Pacers, and Setting the Pace. Give us a rating, interview, subscribe, let us know what you like and what you don't like, but be nice, be kind. Uh, we're doing this for you guys. So we will talk to you all next week. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.